0: Welcome back to Real Voices of Game Productions. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined by my Hall of Fame co-host, Kevin Kernan. This is our flagship show, Coach and Kernan. Before we introduce our guest, uh, just want to have a message to our audience now. 17,222 subscribers represented in 72 countries, grassroots, all the way up to Major League Baseball front offices. We continue to hold our end of the bargain and build better baseball IQs, but we need you to help us as well. Make sure you continue to download, listen, like, subscribe. And so we battle the analytics of the podcast world just like we do in the baseball world. Continue to rate and review us. We can keep giving you great content every week like we have today with our guests. Our streaming devices, as you know, are Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher. Hit us up on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Answer one question of a day live, and I get back to everybody privately on that. Kevin, as you know, is on all over the social media. And also, please continue to support him with Ball9, writes two great articles a week. Uh, We're very blessed to be able to read his work every week. And uh, before we get to our guest, I... I always like to bounce it to Kevin. I, I love the article, Kevin, this week on, on our friend Dave Turgeon. I know you're really close to him. And what a culture he's built down there at IMG.
1: Yeah, Dave, uh, d- just so people know, we, I, I, he was one of our first guests, if I remember. Yeah. And, and he was tremendous. Yeah. And this was before the season. Well, the season goes on at IMG. And I know IMG gets great talent because of who they are. But there's a reason why they get great talent. And they uh, have a great coaching staff, Roger Cedanielo. Uh, Steve Fry, um, and they went 25-0, and 0, but it's not about the record, and it's this is all at uh, ball9.com, and you can find me on AMBS underscore Kernan on Twitter, and uh, also Facebook, but um, this is about, like you said, the culture. Um, they empower the players to play the game the proper way. There are no there are no cheat cards. There are no fanny packs with information on them. There's no Wrist watches, like pitch type type devices, like you see in college. I was watching a, and what what's, what really got me going, and why why I spoke to Dave was I'm watching a college game, and in between pitches, the batter is looking at his friggin' thing on his wrist between every pitch. What what's going on here? I mean, it's it's getting ridiculous. So I I wanted to talk to someone who knows baseball, and ironically, Jim um, Dave. Um, um, uh, uh, our, our our friend, <laughs> our coach at IMG, he was with the Pirates, Dave Turgeon, for many years, and he 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 got let he got let go a few years ago. So he he did not quit. He he went and found a place where he can really help young kids. He's done a great job, and uh, it was very important to talk to him. And I, I think the key sentence in that whole column was, "If you want to build." And you say it all the time, Dave, um, if you want to build a better baseball player, you can. You just got to do it. And they teach their players how to lead swings, position themselves, learn the game. And lo and behold, they go 25-0, first perfect season in IMG history. So that that's the summation there. And we'll have, to have Dave on to talk about it.
0: Yeah, we 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 put a message out to him to get him back when things slowed down, and I I passed that around. Uh, We were at tournaments uh, this past week, and I was passing your article around to to people who were trying to learn about the podcast and and Ball Nine. And one person mentioned to me, like just as you said, uh, well, he's got all the best talent. And I reminded him. I said, "You ever see the movie Secretariat with that great racehorse? The humans humans messed up that racehorse. So humans can mess up players. It takes a lot. it, It takes a mature individual to coach that kind of talent."
1: Yes, it does. It, yes, it does. And, uh, and all it takes is one conversation. And if you read the article, you see, again, that's, that's the, that's the society we've built a bunch of victimhood, victim people. I'm, you know, I'm tired of it. That's why I rail about it all the time here. Uh, there's so many people that are crabs in a bucket, pulling down other crabs to get out of the bucket that, that it's ridiculous. And, you know, and, and we're going to go heavy in the major leagues, and we'll we we'll hear their stuff too. But it, the stuff I see in major league baseball is it's it basically disgusts me on so many levels, and uh, and and the people are just riding along with it like it's all normal and fine. So uh, you know, there's a reason why the um, reason why the uh, you know ratings are, are going to plummet and things things the, the stuff is really going to hit the wall in the major leagues very soon. Yeah,
0: no, I and I keep banging away on those articles. They're phenomenal writing, but the content is through the roof. And how you? One get other
1: it. thing, Dave. One other thing, Dave. I think it's a perfect lead into our guest again. And uh, and you're seeing it now. Uh, eventually, at some point, the way Major League Baseball is being run by the people in charge, they're going to run out of pitchers. It seems like Oakland are already running out of pitchers. Uh, by the end of the year, the combination of bad mechanics uh pitch clock um sweepers and all this stuff is going to add up to uh, one injury if not i always get, i get a laugh when there's always an article about the latest greatest yankee reliever and my guess is always when i see that article and i think i saw one today on hamilton um uh yeah when is he going to have arm surgery you know or soldier surgery or be out or break his elbow when he throws a pitch you know so uh that, that's the kind of things we're seeing in baseball Verdon is out. hasn't been uh, hasn't been able to pitch at all. Now he's got chronic back issues. His wife is getting into Twitter fights with people. It's really something.
0: <laughs> Twitter fights. I never thought I heard grown men doing that. That's uh, but uh, no, it's a great lead into our guest right here because we we have it's is a repeat guest for us. I'm going to keep the preamble short because he's been on just a couple weeks back. But somebody who's doing the research day to day, who's been there, done that, and uh, I'll introduce uh, Jim just for our audience who hasn't. Hasn't listened to his last episode with us, but but Jim Colonel's former professional baseball pitcher with the New York Yankees had his promising career cut short with an arm injury. But over the last 20 plus years, he's worked with hundreds upon hundreds of athletes and observed even more uh, between the ages of, I guess, 22 and below. uh, He's observing pro pitchers right now but offering group instruction and individual instruction, not in just baseball, but basketball, football. we talked the importance of multiple sports was a 12 year high school coach uh, provided instructions to athlete in his role, you know, both as a personal and as a team team coach and his goal, if I'm misstating it, Jim, you correct me in this, but it says your goal is to coach as a coach has first and foremost, always been to provide young athletes with the tools and opportunities to succeed. Your belief is contrary to the overused expression. Winning is everything in life. In sports, I firmly believe it's all about one's effort. Competing is everything. And the research you've done, we want to let you get to it today. But before I do, just formally welcome you back to the show, Jim.
2: Well, I appreciate that. And yes, that is correct. Um, um, I was fortunate enough to be an assistant coach for three sports in 12 years. And um, I was an assistant coach. And and I I cherish that role because I did not have to worry about who was missing the bus and who was failing math. And uh, But I was able to uh, work with uh, players and athletes and to, to give them or provide them uh, with the best tools I could to give them the opportunity to be the best athletes they could be on the field. And I, that's why I continue working with pitchers and, and athletes, because uh, I want to give them the opportunity to succeed. And um,
0: you, you've done extensive research, more than anybody that I've, I've come across. And we want to get to the bottom of uh, a couple things today, but also want to encourage our audience, the people that are the powers to be. This is a guy we should be listening to. His his research and his predictions are right on the money. Um, so if you didn't pay attention to the first one, go back and listen to it. Certainly pay attention to this one today. Um, Jim, as you, you've talked to me so eloquently about and you, you sent me a, a great piece in preparation for today, um, it's a trickle down effect with this pitching global pandemic, let's call it. And, um, you know, you've got three interesting categories that you put guys in. I think this is at the the, the college level, if I'm not mistaken, but increased risk, high risk and dead man walking. And I guess the big question I have for you, um, to start us off is what what are you doing or seeing differently than everybody else right now? What are they missing?
2: You know, that, that, that's a real good question. And, and, uh, it gets back to what we talked about in the first show. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, as you said, I've taken a lot of time to analyze this, and I, and and I think the benefit that I have is I can look at it from ten thousand feet because this is not my job. Um, that doesn't mean that that's not the way to to look at a situation and provide a solution. But as we talked about before, people have a tendency uh, innately to look at it through their own prism, um, through their own experience, and also through their own job description so you know when i when i look at a pitcher um i don't care what age they are 15 26 32 whether they throw 84 miles an hour 94 or 104 i'm always looking for the same thing are they athletic or are they stable in the balance do they have proper kinetic timing so their lower half is the engine and their upper arm is and the arm is the steering wheel uh that's that's on a, on a broad basis the foundationally, that's what I'm looking at when I look at pitchers and and uh, and analyze their evaluate their throwing motions, and what I've seen, and as I've begun to see in the last two years, as I've expanded my research, is that major league, minor league, collegiate, all the way down to high school level, they're all throwing the baseball the same way, and they're all getting hurt, um, and 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 we can elaborate more on those studies. But with that in mind, then my concern is, as we've talked about, it's it's what youth pitchers are seeing, what they're being taught, what they're learning and what they're doing. And I've seen that firsthand, as you said, on the motion studies I've done where I take 10 to 15 different pitchers and and I know exactly how they're going to throw the ball. They all look the same. And they're all shocked when they show them the videos because I give them a booklet back and I go, here you go. And um, it's, this is interesting as an aside. We talk about arm injuries and we talk about arm health and the impact on the throwing motion, I believe, on arm health and injuries. But the other side of that conversation is command and movement, the performance on the mound and how, the, how, the, uh, uh, how a proper or athletic throwing motion affects command. And I'll give you an example. When I do a, 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 um, a um, motion program, I will take these p- pitchers, Now they've been all throwing during the year or in the off year, and I go, okay, we're going to have a little, 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 little contest there. I said, we're going to throw 25 pitches. I want you to throw three fastballs down the middle, three on the outside corner for a righty for the lefty, three on the hands for the righty and the lefty. Then I want you to throw 3 changeups. Now we're going to have you throw th- three curveballs for strikes and three 0-2 curveballs. Now, this is before I worked with them. I have not had anybody, okay, and I've done four motion studies that covers about maybe 75 pitchers who've had a strike ratio of higher than 20%. There is no command whatsoever, and they're all shocked, and I go, you're amateur golfers. You're using your hands to make contact with the ball. You're not creating energy from the ground up with stability that allows you to create a consistent arm slot and release. And, you know, I've seen that in the major league level where I follow pitchers. Two years ago, I followed the Angels pitchers and there's three pitchers. I won't mention their names. Every other start they had, we talked about it. Two hits, one run, six strikeouts, three strikeouts, five innings, et cetera. The next next excuse me, the next start they've had, it's three runs, four walks, four innings, 95 pitches. And even one pitcher said, you know, I really couldn't find my. I wasn't comfortable. I I couldn't get I I couldn't get my command today. So I tell these kids, you're you're you know, you're very simple. you're amateur golfers. You haven't created stability from the ground up. And I didn't mean to digress, but that's important because this this motion study I'm doing and what I see as far as the results, it affects command, it expect it affects movement as much as it does arm health.
0: No, that's very well put and and I know we've we talked Leading up to the show about the most recent research you've done, and it was broken down into three areas, and we the trickle down. Of course, we have major league area, we have the Power Five, which is the, the top five college conferences in the country, and we have the youth baseball. We know one affects the other, affects the other. Uh, which which direction would you want to start? Would it be more more practical to start at the major league level and trickle it down to show how it affects the youth?
2: Yeah. You know, I don't want to I don't want to belabor the point too much, but I'd like to start with one point. And, and, and this is I I'm not amazed by this. I recognize it. But I think this is this is a major part of the problem, which which in, impacts youth pitchers tremendously as far as their health and performance. And I've seen this every day, talking to people, witnessing it. Um, today's 100 velocity is your grandfather's 93 miles an hour. And when I say that, I'm going to read the following from Baseball America. The moment a baseball leaves a pitcher's hand, it starts to slow down because of drag. The 100-mile-an-hour pitch could be measured at 100 out of the pitcher's hand, 99 at 50 feet, 94 midway, and 91 crossing the plate. The first radar guns that began appearing at ballparks in the late 70s and 80s measured pitchers crossing the plate. And I know that firsthand. And, you know, I don't like war stories. It's, it's, it's a former life of mine. But I was I, I threw in a low 90s. I was clocked at 94. OK, that was crossing the plate. So let me get to Bill James now. Bill James, I think, is the, is the grandfather of sabermetrics. And yes. this, this is his quote. When I joined the Red Sox in late 2002 this is this is 20 years later and, and started sitting in the scout sitting in the stands with scouts there were two styles of guns that the scouts used so that you would look to your right and the scout there would have a reading of 94 and then you would look to your left and the scout would have a reading of 91 so you would look to see whether it was a juggs gun or the other one well the scouts unified around the faster guns within a year or so 10 years later, this happened again. The guns got faster again. They got faster readings because they were picking the balls up sooner, closer to the pitcher's hand. So to me, this perpetuated myth has significant ramifications. One is everyone continues to blame injuries on velocity. Well, in fact, I've said this before, is Jake DeGrom is Ferguson Jenkins. Number two, Everyone is chasing this myth, mythical brass ring. You see it all the time on TV. There's not an announcer who doesn't go uh, uh, ooh and ah over 100 miles an hour. Um, kids today, all they're talking about is velocity. When they go to these showcases, all they're talking about is hard they throw. When they go for instruction, all the instructors are concerned about is maxing out velocity, not caring about how they throw. And I've seen this firsthand When I was working in Connecticut, where you can't work with players in the offseason with the ball, which is an horrendous rule, and it's a separate conversation. So I'd go to different facilities and watch my pitchers throw. And I was amazed at what instructors were allowing them to get away with, all because they were throwing the ball hard. Okay, and for youth pitchers, this is what is really significant. This mythic chase sadly turns the four tenets of pitching on its head. And this directly impacts their health, their growth and development. What I mean by that is if you're going to be a successful pitcher, it's about number one, command. Number two, change of speed. Number three, movement. And four, velocity. Okay, what this has done is made velocity number one. So kids can't throw strikes. They have no movement on their curveballs and they are getting hurt. And that's the real crime here.
0: Oh uh, well, well stated. What now? As you look into the the college realm right now, we're looking into the Power Fives, so hitting it bit by bit. And if I'm segueing the wrong way, you certainly redirect me. But what what are you seeing at that collegiate level right now in terms of diagnosis syndromes? Results. Well,
2: you know, I, as you know, that's a good question, um, and as we mentioned before, you know, we I've kind of I've kind of sequentially gone down the, uh, in the pecking order, and um, just to kind of segue in between, when I did a study last year of minor league pitchers about a year and a half ago, the top 221 prospects there were 227 pitchers, and I mentioned their throwing motions were horrendous, and 85 percent have been injured already, um, so. So what I see in the major league level, I've seen mirror images on the minor league level. And as we talked about before, I recognize that a Chris Sale or a Justin Verlander or a or anybody in that category or caliber is not going to necessarily change their throwing motion. Okay, I don't agree with it, but I recognize it. What I don't understand, what I don't understand is in the minor leagues, which is theoretically labeled the development stage because the the staff directory, and when you go to the front office on MLB, is director of player development. I don't understand how they allow these young pitchers, they invest millions and millions of dollars in to throw the baseball this way. And I'll just give you two examples, real quick examples. I have a good friend who's friends with an executive at the Philadelphia Phillies. And I was down at their home about two years ago I think it was two years ago. And it was an article in a Philadelphia Inquirer about Painter and Abel, their two top pitching prospects. I think, paint, from what I remember, Painter is MLB's top three prospect in the entire league. And I looked at this and I said, okay, I'm just curious. I'm going to see what I see. And I knew what I was going to find. And both their throwing motions fit this category for me. Horrendous ball timing, um, really poor arm path, no use of the lower half. So I wrote this gentleman a letter, and I won't mention his name. He's an executive at the Phillies. And I go, and they were, Painter and Abra were both talking about having long careers or looking forward to long careers. And I said, you know, my concern is they're going to have very short careers or not even make it to Lincoln Park, Citizens Bank Park. I'm sorry for these reasons. Okay, that was a year and a half ago. Never heard anything. This year, Painter is on the shelf with an elbow injury. And I'm going... Guys, I I do, I used YouTube videos and I take photographs. I need one photograph, two photographs to look at this. Here's your number one pick. What are you looking at when you sign him and you work with him and supposedly developing him in the minor leagues and when he, and he gets to this stage and he's going to be one of your top starters this year, you're allowing him to throw the baseball this way. my, my you know. It's the question I have is, do they not know? Do they not see? Do they not know how to fix? Or they really don't want to invest the time and don't care because if Painter gets hurt, Abel's next. And if Abel gets hurt, John Smith is next. But to me, that's a really poor business model. And I don't understand it at all. Um, And not to belabor the point, the other example is... Mason Miller from the Oakland A's, Uh, about two or three weeks ago, one of the writers from MLB.com wrote a glowing article about Mason Miller. He came up, he struck out six in a row, yada, yada, yada. And I wrote him a letter and said, you know what? You you might be jumping the gun here. I said, he had a shoulder injury last year. Here's his throwing motion. I said, my money's on his shoulder and his elbow sooner or later. Mason Miller was just sent back to Oakland to have his elbow examined. So once again, I'm saying, what are you looking at? I don't understand it. I don't understand it.
0: I've got one more question.
2: I'm going to pass it on to Kevin.
0: Um, You've got three categories, and I think this will help our audience understand um, a little bit more in depth as to how you, you, I guess, how your mind works to break these guys down. You have increased risk, high risk, and dead man walking. I guess it's a two-part question. One, could you kind of go into those three categories, how you place somebody in each of them? And then is there any major league club that you're taking a look at strongly now that you'd be able to make some predictors about? Yeah,
2: oh, good point. And, and, you know, we digressed there because I started talking about major league baseball. But you asked me about the, the college study. Yes. So when I did this um, and you can appreciate this, um, I had a really good analogy um, that I used for pitching. And when everybody stands on the mound, my analogy was they're playing Russian roulette. Um, and obviously in today's society, that, that that's not, I realized that was not a really good analogy. So I changed it around and I said, you know what? These guys all smoke cigarettes. Some are one pack a day. Some are um, one and a half pack a day. Some are two packs a day. So I said, you know what? I think everybody can understand that analogy. So when I, when I, when I did this last survey, I was curious because I was perusing MLB.com And I do that for articles about pitchers. I saw this one writer had a lengthy article about the top 100 prospects for this year's draft. I said, I'm going to take a look at this. Once again, I know what I'm going to find. There are 39 pitchers. And I analyzed all 39 pitching motions in the four or five positions that I I look for. And I decided that I would then evaluate them based on those three categories. So um I looked at it and I had X amount were one pack smokers. Um I I I labeled them increased risk of injury. And I had one and a half pack smokers there high risk injury and dead men walking there, two and a half plus packs of injuries, uh smokers a day. They're there it's just a question of time. It's just a matter of time. And those motions are absolutely horrendous. Um, and like I said, out of the 39. Um, 60% were high risk or dead man walking in, 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 uh, from my observations and my perception, in my experience compared to the 550 pitchers I've evaluated who've been injured in the last four years. So once again, my question is then as with major league and minor league coaches, staff, et cetera, and even with scouts now who are drooling over some of these pitches, pitchers, I go, what do you see? What are you looking at? What are you dismissing? Or is it just not with your time and investment? Uh, Because if I'm a college coach at a a major university, and I've done this with high school pitchers, and I see somebody come in who I think has significant upside, but the first thing I do after evaluating and shooting a video is go, let me sit down with you. Here's what you're doing here's, here's, this is what your success has been. Okay. On a scale of one to 10 as an example. You're a seven. You could be a nine. You could be a nine and a half. But my bigger concern is you're going to get injured. And this is why you're going to get injured. Your shoulder, your elbow, your lat, your oblique, et cetera, et cetera. This poor poor ball, lower half timing puts extreme and significant stress on those areas of your body. I don't understand why college coaches with an 18-year-old who have pitching coaches would not sit down and have the same conversation. Now, if you're telling me these 39 pitches all said, thank you, but no thanks, well, that's a different conversation. But once again, my question is, what what is being communicated and what is being communicated to these pitchers from an educational perspective so they understand that I'm at X level but I could be at Y level and I could stay healthy for 10 years or minimize my risk of injury, which is significant. And before you get to Kevin, I just wanted to add, there are no guarantees when you throw the baseball. It's universally considered that it's the most stressful or violent action in sports. So when I'm looking at these inju- when I'm looking at these pitchers or I talk to pitchers, it's not about eliminating the, 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 the injury risk 100%. It's all about mitigating the risk. And, and I've had many, many quotes from pitchers who will chalk up their injuries in the major leagues and say, ah, it's all part of pitching. Uh, we, we all face it. You know, everything in life has risk. If you drive the car 150 miles an hour, there's much greater risk of being in a car accident than if you drive 35 miles an hour. And that's basically how I look at it from that standpoint. I like that. Kevin, go ahead. I'll
0: pass on to you.
1: Yeah, Dave, good job uh, to break it down and get us to understand the big picture here and, and individually what they're doing. Um, i got, got a couple questions here. Um, are there any pitchers in the major leagues doing it right?
2: Yeah, You, you know, I get that question asked all the time. And, um, and my answer to that is I do not have the time to go through every roster to find the pitcher that I think – is fundamentally sound. Um, what, what I've been trying to do is, is indicate and demonstrate that those pitchers who are smoking one and a half to two packs of cigarettes a day, because if you're smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, your risk of getting lung cancer is much more, it's is is significantly more significant than a non-smoker. Um, so, um, my guess is that based on the 500 pitchers that I've evaluated, there's very few that understand or are throwing the baseball with sound kinetic timing to reduce the stress in their arm. That's, that's, my, that's my honest answer there.
1: No, um, and it, Well, the, the, that tells me... For the most part, I mean, you are going to get your guys who I think had good motions through their years, the Roger Clemens and things like that. And um, but they're playing a game of chicken, and they're going to eventually with. In the same thing with the college coaches, they're going to they know they can recruit more guys down the road. No one's fixing it. Your question, your main question is, what are they looking at? The question, is, the answer is, they're all looking at it because let's go back to Jacob DeGrom. When Jacob DeGrom would throw a side session in the bullpen or before he'd warm up, before his game, he would have the whole coaching staff there. You go to any video of DeGrom, even now, and Mike Maddox is a a pitching coach I respect uh, in Texas, but there's always a coach looking at every single damn pitch in in warm-ups, in bullpen, but obviously nobody's saying anything. So... You have a whole, you have a, you basically have a whole industry now that has washed their hands of injury, pitching injuries, and just is living with it. I remember having a long conversation with Sandy Alderson, and and it was a good conversation. I respect Sandy for having the conversation with me about eight, nine years ago. I'm guessing it was that time. I'm I'm not great with time. It kind of flies by. But uh, at the end of it was, I was basically telling Sandy that, they didn't know what they were doing, and um, and um, he said, "No, we're going to get. We are going to hire the right people. We are going to get to the bottom of this. We are going to fix. We are going to eradicate Tommy John surgery." Basically, that's what he told me in in a sentence. None of that's been done. So the work you're doing is is so influential, but it's clear to me. I mean, I'm just being honest here. They don't want to hear it. So well. What do you- <laughs>
2: You, you mentioned, Dave. There's two important things there. One is, it's not a question. As I said before, you're not looking to eradicate Tommy John. You're looking to um, reduce and mitigate the risk of Tommy John.
1: I understand that. I'm just yeah. telling you what that that's the no. that's the ego that they had that we're going to fix this problem. We're going to get rid of Tommy John problems in our organization. Yeah, and
2: I know I agree. But you know, here's the thing with you know with Degrom, and and I wrote the Mets a year and a half ago, and once again. I don't Again, think. Again, you're
1: writing these people they don't respond. So yeah, what I don't think. Mean? Yeah. I don't, <laughs> think,
2: I don't think this is rocket science. Okay. My question, yeah. you know, and the reality is here is that Jake, Jake De, I read an article where Jake DeGrom, and, and this is where I'm also confused. Jake DeGrom made the comment, and from the article was that he said that he didn't think his throwing motion, he didn't feel his throwing motion had anything to do with his injuries. Now, he's had shoulder lat and, and, and elbow injuries in the last two years. So you had Tommy John surgery, right?
1: So you had Tommy John in like 2014. I right.
2: Believe. So, so I'm going, okay, I'll go, you don't understand, you don't recognize that your throwing motion places significant stress on your lat, your shoulder, and your elbow. Yeah. Has yeah. anybody, what are they telling you? Has anybody told you that or showed you why that has happened and why that continues to happen? um because because okay, but once again i'm not looking at, i'm not looking to make a case about this but i was incredulous that the word out of the mets organization last year was that there was an issue with the grounds mechanics and that he was taking the ball out of his glove too aggressively. Yeah. Okay. I read that because two of my friends sent that to me and, and they said, hey, looks like the Mets understand or are looking at his mechanics. So I was floored. And, I, and, and, and the only thing I could say about that is that there is an issue with when t- taking the glove out of the, the ball out of the glove, but it has to do with staying over the rubber and separating over the rubber. I looked at his motion and nothing changed, but that's besides the point. Saying that Jake DeGrom needs is taking the ball out of his glove too aggressively, and that's what's causing his injuries, that's like a doctor looking telling his patient who's overweight, who has a very poor diet and high cholesterol, that he needs to uh, use low-fat cheese on his cheeseburgers and, and cheesesteaks.
1: That's exactly what I do. Because because <laughs> the
2: issue with degrom is, is not that he um, uh, uses needs to use low-fat cheese, is that he needs to change his diet, okay? So once again, getting back, I do recognize that somebody like Jake DeGrom would not want to change how he throws the baseball, but when the Mets manager two years ago, and I saw the quote that said his throwing motion is clean, that is 100% incorrect. His lower half ball timing is incredibly poor and that places significant stress on his lat, on his shoulder and his elbow. And he will continue to get injured if he doesn't adjust his lower half ball timing. I yeah, be- that all makes sense.
1: I can't be any clearer than that. Yeah, not that, that all, that, that all makes sense. Um, the, uh, but the, the point is, the you know, back in the day, you had the Branch rickies who would you know started the minor leagues. Um, um, I just think we're dealing with – and I want to bring up another point because in one of your answers to Dave a good, and a good question, you were talking about, you know, you, you broke it down so well about the four tenants of pitching. Parents don't know what they're doing. Parents are just looking for, you know, like you say, the brass ring. <clears throat> so if you have a combination of parents – going with this stuff, bring them to these teachers. Uh, then you go into colleges who are just using the kids and then moving on. Then you go into the pros who really, my, my answer is simple. They don't know what they are looking at. Most of them, you know, and if, if those that do know what you're looking at, and we were lucky we had Don Cooper on recently and Don knew what he was looking at and his injuries were very low when he was in charge uh, of the white Sox, And so they don't know what they're looking at. If they do know what they're looking at, they're afraid to speak up because they don't want to rock the boat. So uh, and then yeah, I think I saw today, I could be wrong here, but I saw, saw today that maybe Noah Syndergaard, maybe looking into having seeing a psychiatrist or something. Or, or no, a um, a hypnotist, I think. To, to kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You know,
2: you mentioned Noah Syndergaard. Uh, you, you mentioned Noah Syndergaard. Before so I- they're
1: looking at everything else but the problem. That's my point.
2: Right, right. But you mentioned Syndergaard, but let me let me let me put that aside for a second. Here's here's the real issue with me um if we if we li- if we put aside major league baseball, let's put him aside for a while, right? Let's look at Ian Anderson from the Braves, okay? Ian Anderson was considered when he was drafted by the Braves one of the top pitching pitching prospects in many years, okay? He And I think they paid him $5 million. He was the third pick in the 2016 draft, I think it was. He just recently had Tommy John surgery. His throwing motion is beyond atrocious, beyond atrocious. I Googled it. I looked at it. So my feeling is that I'm the owner of the Braves. Anybody who talked to Ian Anderson who said he was good to go, I'd fire him because they do not know what they're talking about and they're wasting my
1: money. Well, but my point is they, they, they've had plenty of time to fix this. So I, yeah. I'm really, putting you in a, I'm putting you in a box here, but if they had time to fix it and they're not going to fix it, where's it going to go? Is it going to get worse? And, and I have a second part question here. Yeah. Um, because I'm really curious about this and, and some scouts have told me some stuff about this. What is is there a difference with some of the young Latin American pitchers? Are they more fluid in their emotions that you see? Or have you, have you studied, have you gotten? Well, that that's, that, that's, a, that, that word is a good word. Cause I've heard that before.
2: And people have asked me, <laughs> I'll answer it this way. I was sitting in the stands with a Tampa Bay scout about six or seven years ago, maybe even longer in, in Fenway park. And um, Matt Moore was pitching. It was his first year. Right. So and he was and on about Matt Moore. And I said, he's going to get hurt. Mm. And he looked at me. and I remember that. I remember seeing Matt Moore pitching. Right. I had and and he said it. to me, well, he's got a really fluid motion. I go, fluid doesn't mean clean. Fluid doesn't mean optimal kinetic timing. Fluid just means it looks smooth to the naked eye. So I gave him three things. I said, boom, boom, boom. So he realized I wasn't an an accountant and uh, we chatted a little bit. But fluid doesn't necessarily mean, um, um, like I said, fluid doesn't necessarily create um, optimal lower half timing. Fluid doesn't necessarily create sound mechanics. It means that you're not herky-jerky. You could be herky-jerky and have really good mechanics. You could be fundamentally sound and be herky-jerky. You can be extremely fluid and have the worst throwing motion in the world. The worst throwing motion in the world. And I've seen that, right? I've seen that. Um, so, you know, once again, what are you looking at um, with 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 minor league pitchers? Um, this, you know, same thing with Mason Miller. All these guys are coming up. I I, I tried to talk to the reporter a couple of years ago. Debbie Garcia, right? S- s- slight of build, but through in the mid-90s. Yes. Okay? What they've done with him is a shame. It's criminal. Now they're trying to make him a reliever because he failed as a starting pitcher. His throwing motion was one of the top 3 worst I've ever evaluated. He he makes a contortionist look stable and athletic, okay? He's got a corkscrew body, his arm is behind his ear, he's got no lower half. He throws across his body and he signed at 17. He played in 7 different Yankee minor league organizations. That's a minimum of 14 coaches. And I'm going, what could you have been possibly looking at? And why didn't you want to work with a 17-year-old who threw in the mid-90s, who had a high ceiling and help him develop? I don't get that. I well, really let, me, let that. me play
1: devil's advocate here and say, if they're having success, are they, are they afraid to mess up? To, to mess it up because they are having success, even though they are quote unquote unorthodox.
2: Well, yeah, I, 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 I buy into that, but Debbie Garcia didn't have much success. <laughs> he struggled for many years back and forth. If you read any articles. Yeah, on when it.
1: he fell, he was, he was like a, uh, he was a super prospect and yeah. then, then it all went South quickly. Exactly. And, so and I, what I, you're saying, so just, so I have it straight here. What you're saying is, you can ride with that for a while, but once you see, there's no excuse not to fix it once you see a guy going south. Well, exactly, exactly. I, that's what you, you hit the nail
2: on the head. I understand where somebody said, Hey, this guy's thrown. I've heard that before. I've heard it from pitchers. They don't want to make, you know, mess with success. Get it. But when you got a kid who's 18 or 19 and he's struggling, you go, Hey, I think we can help you out. I think we can help you reach that ceiling, even on the major league level. I've evaluated everybody who's had Tommy John surgery. Nobody has changed their motions, so I'm going. Okay, I get it. You know, before you, you know, you 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 got a lot of success. You don't want to mess with success. But the fact that, as an example, Walker Bueller, who's had two Tommy John surgeries, okay, Mike Clevenger. I have photos of him every three years. He's had two Tommy John surgeries. He ha- they haven't changed the thing in their throwing motion. So I go, okay. I guess you don't feel or your organizations feel that the way you throw the baseball has anything to do with you being injured. Okay, so I kind of yeah. I just kind of laugh at that. I'm going, okay. You know, decisions have consequences.
1: Well, I think you've done you. You know, you've obviously reached out to a lot of people. Um, the way I see it, um, they don't let people in the club unless they want to let people in the club. And so, I think the next step for you, I would imagine, is—I mean, you could keep bang, keep banging your head against the wall, but it's—is is, is it to to try to try to try to get younger players to pitch properly? Yeah.
2: Oh no. Hey, without a doubt, you know, as I said this to many people, major league pitchers getting Tommy John surgery by no stretch of the imagination keeps me up at night out of a thousand things that keep me up at night. It's about 999. Okay. Now it's become an intellectual challenge for me. I I'm I'm, I I, the challenge for me is to find somebody uh, and you've stepped up to have a conversation with me. You're the first, Kevin, you're the first person that, that I've contacted that has had any intellectual curiosity to ask me any questions. So that was my goal when I started this. I wanted to find somebody who had enough intellectual curiosity as opposed to just saying, hey, that's interesting. And then, you know, fluffer me off. So I'm going, okay, let me see if I can find somebody who's actually in baseball that's curious enough and has enough intellectual curiosity to have a conversation with me. If this goes nowhere, I will put this all in the circular file and just continue to work with kids in the local area. And help them become better pitchers. You know, in the scope of life, this is not this is not the Ukraine. Okay, let's be serious. As as much as I think it's a, an absurd financial business model, it's their money. They could do what they want to do with it.
1: Well, well perhaps that's the answer. Perhaps, and I'm, and perhaps it's it's getting to an owner, and and maybe you know, um, well, let me e- let me emailing let me, an owner maybe and hoping well, that. I'm not going to hold hold
2: my breath in this, okay, to back up how this all started. And the reason this started was in August of of 2020, I looked at the, there was an article on MLB. It was a long article, talked about the plethora of arm injuries. Every general manager, manager, and coach that was quoted all said that the reason and the cause was because of shortened spring training. And I just laughed my head off. One reason is because it might have been a shortened spring training, but the following month, they all treated the starts as if it was an extended spring training. Number two is I coached high school baseball in the Northeast for 12 years. We'd have pitchers throwing a gym for a week and then go out and throw in a snowstorm. So I go, you got to be kidding me. And in this article, nobody even remotely mentioned or was quoted about how they throw the baseball. So what I did was I took that IL list of 120 pitchers. This is 19, uh, 2020. COVID was starting to hit then, right? I evaluated every single pitcher. I took those pitchers and I sent it to every owner and every GM in Major League Baseball and said, this article quoted the reason for injuries being that there was a short spring training. I think you need to have your people look at how your pitchers are throwing the baseball, because that's also a significant part of why they're getting injured. I got no response from 32 owners, 30 owners, 30 general
1: managers, and 30 director of player development people. Yeah, that's sad. That's sad. And, and actually, if you look, uh, Jim, the excuse changes year to year. It's, uh, it was COVID. It was always uh, oh, the WBC. Oh, uh, it was cold in Arizona. I actually heard that one this year. Uh, hey, here's, here's, here's a hoof for you, right? Okay, 2020, yeah. everybody's complaining that the
2: reason everybody got injured is it was a shortened spring training. I got it, right? So fast forward to this year. What do they do? They let their pitchers go, ramp up quickly so they could throw in the WBC. I'm going, wait a minute. You said the concern was that the spring training was shortened. What are you doing to your pitchers this
1: year? So I'm you going. Create, what a crock!
2: Yeah. I'm going. What a crock!
1: <laughs> exactly. It's it's you know I'm going to bring real life in here and and, and uh, for it's it's almost like MLB. It's MLB's version of quote unquote the border is closed. That's what we're hearing from some people. Well, and I'm glad, glad you
2: said that because I didn't want to say that, but I agree with you.
1: I agree with you. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. I'm uh. uh I've I've hit my limit with frustration with baseball and how uh, they're just running the game into the ground and and don't care.
0: No, it was was great, great dialogue. And uh, Jim, I I was wondering if you would share, you you talked about a bunch of major league teams that you looked at on the scouts. In your recent research, is there a major league club that you've looked at that um, maybe held up to a high standard that in the media, but based on your research, maybe looking at some arm injuries in the future?
2: Yes. Um and I'm sorry you asked me that before we kind of digressed. Um my 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 winner is the Tampa Bay Rays. And um I'll digress here for a second. About a year and a half ago, how I started this was there was an article, I think it was in the St. Petersburg Times by Mark Topkin. And he was interviewing Ray's staff and questioning their, you know, their numerous injuries. And one of the staff said, Well, you know, we really don't see anything. And I said, Okay. So I Googled and I called it, I called it at the time, the Tampa Bay eight, they had eight pitchers who had Tommy John surgery. And I Googled their motions and I wrote this big letter back to them. I actually sent it to the director of biomechanics at Tampa Bay and saying, your staff doesn't see anything. Here's the 10 things I see that you might want to consider. So obviously didn't get a response to that. So what triggered it again was that I saw Fairbanks had an elbow injury recently, right? So I go, let me just Google the entire race staff. So I Googled the entire race staff, and and this is what I found. I once again evaluated their throwing motions, okay? And this is what their staff looks like here. Bear with me one second. I had this written up here um, with the pictures. Oh, here we go. I'm sorry. Okay, here's the list of pictures I had. McClanahan said Tommy Tommy John surgery and shoulder. Josh Fleming oblique. Jack Effin back. Jeffrey Springs Tommy John. Now let me note. I wrote. A, I I sent a note to a MLB writer two and a half months ago, and I said he wrote a very glowing letter uh, column about Springs and said one of my candidates for Cy Young. And I said, over and under by June, he's done. He's got Tommy John surgery. So he wrote me back and said, hey, look at this. And I go, yeah, I was a little conservative in my over and under. But let me continue. Jalen Beeks, Tommy John. Yanni Chernos, Tommy John, fractured elbow. Calvin Francher, Fauncher, oblique. Colin Poucher, oblique. Garrett Clevenger, elbow oblique. Unfortunately, he just tore his ACL running down, a, down the baseline. Andrew Kitteridge, Tommy John. Pete Fairbanks, Tommy John twice, Latin Forearm, glassano, Tommy John and Oblique. So I'm going, I don't understand what they're doing down there in this context. I, as an agent said to me, well, you know, they have young pitchers, they use them and they get rid of them before arbitration. I go, I don't understand that business model. You have young pitchers who have a significant high ceiling who all throw mid to high 90s. okay? And yet, you're not doing anything with them. We're not not adjusting the throwing motions. So we can, instead of having three years out of them, have six years out of them. Or even if we're only going to use them for four years before we get rid of them on arbitration, because our payroll is $70 million, why don't we want to keep them healthy for four years? Fairbanks, his throwing motion is horrendous. He's had two Tommy John surgeries. And I go, Is anybody going up to Pete and saying, you know what? You, you got to make a couple simple adjustments. Now, here's the kicker you got Rasmussen has 250 career innings, Kevin Kelly 12, Tay Bradley 15 innings, and Jason Adams 153. So here's four young studs they have who are under 150 innings. Their throwing motions are as horrendous as the motions of the pitchers who've gotten hurt. So I'm going, it's just a matter of time, and all you're doing is playing whack-a-mole, right? So the problem with whack-a-mole was this, and the writer alluded to it in his bullpen this morning. Their bullpen is depleted. They're really hurting now because Clevenger went down. Injuries happen. But if those two or three other relief pitchers didn't have arm injuries, okay, at the same time. Well, maybe the Clevenger injury wouldn't be as significant as it is. And Let's, so, let me
1: interject real quick here because uh, I was watching the game when Clevenger got hurt. And this is another thing that we're constantly harping upon. And, and I know Dave, you do it with Sal all the time. Clevenger got hurt in a rundown because they couldn't complete a rundown properly. And he basically tripped over Aaron Hicks and, and hurt his knee. So, So we're not just talking. Arm injuries here—it it runs the gamut where they seem to be getting hurt because of things that normal baseball things. Like yeah, throwing, I mean, you know, injuries, yeah. injuries <laughs> are injuries, right? Yeah, I, I don't, I just, well, I, I agree, injuries happen. Don't get me wrong; I'm really? not saying they don't happen, but if 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 you if you run that run down properly, oh, yeah. you're not you're not tripping. First of all, a pitcher probably shouldn't even be involved, and um, <laughs> uh, and, and second of all. It's it, just a small microcosm of what's wrong, and and the Rays. Let's face it; I, you got to you got to give the Rays credit for what they've done because they find success in a small market, and uh, and so I can almost say I can see why they don't change their business model because it works for them. That's true, but let's put it this way: if it, let's make let's let's make a comparison. If anybody's going
2: to be able to eat 165 million con 165 million dollar contract like right it's the Yankees, right? If I'm if I only have if I'm the Rays and I'm Sturberg and I have 70 million dollars, I want to get as much out of that 70 million as I can. If anything, the Yankees can afford to have the injuries that the Rays have more than the Rays can. Okay, because it's you know it's a marathon this season. I know everybody's in a, in a in a in a in a uproar about the Rays start more power to them. But like I said, they're playing whack-a-mole with pitching injuries. And as as Dave, as you pointed out about the Dodgers last year, their three starting pitchers okay, went down before the playoffs. So who knows who's going to get hurt with the Rays in the next four months? Okay. History says quite a few. And, you know, as an example, I've looked at Glassonoe's motion and I remember writing them a year and a half ago, two years ago, and saying, Hey, he's dead man walking. Okay. Glassonoe will never get healthy the way he throws the baseball. I'm sorry. It's never going to happen. So, once again, you got this really talented kid. He's already had Tommy John surgery. He's got an oblique injury this year. He throws in the high 90s. He's got a great up ceiling. And you're going, Okay, we'll just let him go and he gets hurt. He gets hurt. The next man up. To me, that's not a good business model. When your when your payroll is seventy million dollars, and the New York Mets payroll is three hundred seventy million dollars.
0: Well, we've uh, Jim. We appreciate all your time. they have given us almost an hour. And Kevin, any parting shots? Or Jim, any parting shots you want to leave the audience with?
1: No, I, no. I just think um, unfortunately, I'm seeing across the board in baseball. Um, I'm waiting for one organization to step up and maybe do it right and then have, have, have long-term success. Um, I just think, um, I'm going to read you something real quick and then I'll, 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 I'll let you go. Let me find it here for a second. I had a, um, I had a scout send me this, uh, yesterday and this is not anything to do with injury. So it's really interesting though, because it shows where we're at. And this is his question to me. He goes, why does MLB lay the schedule out the way they do? I think it's awful. You shouldn't play a team, then the next week play them again. Pitchers are having back-to-back starts against the same teams. And if you have the guy, a guy on a 10-day 10, 10 DL, he misses 50% of the games played against one team. It's horrible. So he, he, all those points are valid. So my answer back to him was, and this is simple, and I'll leave you with this. I, my answer back was, "Yep." Like I always say, the people in charge of baseball don't know baseball.
0: Yeah. I think that's uh, maybe a lead into your next article. Perhaps. Okay. <laughs> Jim, what about yourself? What do you want to leave the audience with?
2: Well, you know, I you know, I know we went on for an hour, and uh, I, I hope that it's you know it's been informative. And, and sometimes these are a little difficult to do, um, but you know. We'll, I guess the best way for me to give you an analogy about this, and I tell this to my pitchers all the time, um, if, if, if you want to deadlift 45 pounds, y- you can do that with your eyes closed. If you want to deadlift 300 pounds, you better create proper technique, you better create energy from the ground up, and you better create optimal timing. Because if you don't do that, you're going to find yourself on a stretcher on the way to the hospital. So all I can say is that throwing a baseball off the mound from 60 feet at 98 miles an hour, you're deadlifting 300 pounds. And I I don't understand why pitchers who are looking to maximize their performance and are looking to minimize their risk of injury on the major league level, more importantly on the minor league level, and even more significantly with younger pitchers on the collegiate level, why they're not creating a pitching motion that generates, creates energy from the ground up. So their lower half is the engine and their arm is the steering wheel. I do not understand that. I do not understand that.
0: Well, just so you know, you were brought back by popular demand from our audience. So they wanted to hear more. I was teasing some of the research you've been doing in between shows and we appreciate what you're doing for baseball. Um, We like that you're banging the drum to try to get the the trickle down to stop above, but you're hitting, you're hitting the grassroots. And I think that's our next generation of players. So keep, we want to encourage you to keep doing the work you're doing. Um, If you have an audience of two, you've got them here, but we know our 17,222 subscribers are all listening to you and, 72 countries right now, grassroots, to front offices. So those front office people listen and pay attention. You've got a guy here that could possibly predict injury for you. To me, that's the Holy grail. Fixing it is the mother load.
2: Right. right. Hey, listen, but on another note, I, I wanted to add this, right? And and a little plug. I I give pitching lessons. I work with kids. I give all the money to charity. Okay. And I'm not patting myself on the back for that. I'm just saying I'm not in this for the money. I do this because I want to help young athletes reach the potential and, and, and get a sense of satisfaction in what they do. So my, my offer is this to anybody out there. And, and is that if, if you're interested, if you want to send me a video, I'm not looking to sell anything because I said, I turned all those, all this money over to charity. Um, I'm, if I only help one person and they walk away and their and their parents, and I've had fathers say to me, Hey, you know, I really appreciate it. You've helped my son. He's got a better, Sense of well-being, he feels more confident in the mound. That's great. I've I've, I've batted a thousand there. Um, if if a, if an owner or a major league club never gets back to me, so be it. Uh, you know, I'll move on and uh, I'll have some fun with uh, youth pitchers. So I just wanted to throw that out there. And must uh, be email again. Yeah, is a tap like tap your fingers. Tap twenty seven at Comcast.net. So tap twenty seven at ComcastNet
0: dot uh, net. Our audience out in your area, which is the Connecticut area, New England area, reach out and even by email. You said they can send you video and you'll help out. I think that's a- right.
2: And, and and since they listen to your show, if they want to send me the video, there's no charge. I'll do it for free. Well,
0: that's fantastic. We appreciate you doing that. We've got tons of we've got tons of kids all over the globe. So your email box may get flooded. In no problem. The next no problem. Hours. Um, For for our group here, episode 176, Coaching Kernan. uh, Continue to download, listen, like, subscribe, rate and review. Uh, Make sure you rate and review so we can battle the analytics of the podcast world, Apple, Amazon, Spotify or Stitcher. Uh, You can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Our show, Real Voices of the Game Productions. Also hit up Kevin on social media. He's active all day long. Follow him on Ball9 as well. Two great articles a week. Like I said, 72 countries now, grassroots to front offices. So All those guys out there and and women out there listening, make sure we're getting with Jim and fixing that pitching epidemic. All we're trying to do is build a better baseball IQ. And Jim, I know you did that today. And and I felt like I got smarter again today. And just a reminder to our audience, I didn't do this in the preamble today. I've done it in the last six shows. But they know as you listen to these shows, prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth. uh, Because on this program right now, we've got no time for those comfortable lies. And I think, Jim, you hit it right on the head today. And we appreciate your efforts. Well, thank you very much for your time. I enjoyed it. And Kevin, thank you for all you do for the network and the star of the show here, America's Most Beloved Sports Writer, uh, coaching current episode 176. Uh, Kevin, have a great week. We appreciate you, buddy.
1: Okay. Thanks, everybody. That was uh, eye-opening for people, hopefully.
0: Yep. Yeah. Okay, and with that, episode 176 in the books. more than anything. They don't know
2: what they got till it's gone.
0: It now. Never You try to.